Gracious God, speak to us. Indeed, through your written word and the power of your spirit, the reality of the risen Christ be made real to us in the face of loss and pain and confusion and even despair and dismay. May the power of the resurrection be real for us only through uh, your Holy Spirit. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 50. Then he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them, and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, blessing God. What a difference a resurrection can make. Because consider with me, compare and contrast the, the two times that Jesus departed from the disciples. The first time was just, we don't know exactly how many days, but uh, 40 days or so. Just 40 days prior, Jesus had departed from the disciples in the midst of despair, in the midst of dismay, as he was hung on a cross to die. Judas had betrayed him. The disciples had fallen asleep in Jesus' deepest time of need. Peter had denied him, even to his face. And what was left at the end, Jesus' first departure was, was largely a group of, of women who were standing by his side weeping. And in the shock of the moment, sort of preparing the, for his funeral, gathering the burial spices, preparing to bring them to the empty tomb. At his second departure, which we read here, just... A page. Just flip the page. Back you see his first departure. Now his second. And what has happened in between is a resurrection. And now when Jesus departs. Their dreams and hopes. Their plans have all been remade. They've come back alive. I mean their, their dreams and hopes and plans were all shattered at his first departure. But now they've been given new Energy. They've been totally remade and they now are filled with the joy of the Lord. But Luke says, after Jesus blessed them, as he ascended, as he was gone, as he was leaving into heaven, that the, the, those that were left worshipped him. They, they were remade in that moment. That they, the, the word here used for worship is only used twice by Luke. Because it is, it is the deepest, most significant way of worship. It is the, the, the word that means they fall on their face and give themselves totally to Jesus. Their, their allegiance, their, their alliance is only to Him and nothing else. Everything else pales in comparison. And they have, they have made that moment. That, what a difference a resurrection makes in his life. And that they said, we are yours and only yours. Because the only, uh, the only other time that Luke uses this word for worship is in Luke chapter 4, at the beginning of his writing, when he's talking about Jesus being tempted by the devil. 
In one of the temptations, you may recall, Jesus, uh, the devil tells Jesus, you know, listen, we can, we can shortcut, take a little shortcut here. We can bypass the pain and suffering, the loss, the dismay, the destruction, the hanging on the cross stuff. We can just bypass that. You know, because all the devil tells Jesus, all of this, all that you see can be yours if you just fall down and worship me. If you just align yourself with me, if you, you give your total allegiance to me, then we don't have to go through the rest of the story here. Nice little shortcut, and the rest of this could be yours. To which then Jesus said, it is written. It is written that you may worship only one, the true God. You may align yourself. You can pledge your allegiance to one and only one. And that is God, the creator of the universe. And what Luke is, is telling us at the end of, the, of his story about Jesus and his disciples is that finally at this stage, the followers of Jesus finally get it. And they worship the Father like Jesus worships the Father. They have now come to the point of aligning themselves totally with God's plans. With God's dreams. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to follow Him. I was uh, talking to a friend, a neighbor actually. Um, lives down the street. Has a, uh, he's got the local wiffle ball field. And so it was spring training. Actually, in his backyard. And so we were back there. And, and he'd just come home from work where he um, uh, does a lot of stuff with folks financially um, in terms of uh, uh, setting up uh, giving trusts and those kind of things. And just asked him, hey, how'd the day go? Well, I met with uh, um, someone who is terminally ill, worth tens of millions of dollars. But uh, she's dying, and so she's angry. She has no family and nowhere to give it. And the big thing that she was angry about was that the government was going to take all so much uh, when she died. I thought, you know, if you're going to get angry about something, what a waste on anger to be angry about something, what happens after you die. But as I considered that, what was happening with this woman was that she'd been sold a bill of goods to align herself, to make plans and purposes and strategies, to climb up a ladder that the world calls success. And what's happening is she's getting to the end of the ladder and she's starting to see the wall that the ladder is on and what she's finding out that the wall that the ladder is leaning upon that she's been planning and purposing and dreaming about is the wrong wall. It's a wall that leads to nowhere. And what happens with the disciples is, who've had all these plans and purposes and dreams, they thought Jesus was going to come and that He was going to start a new government, that He was going to overthrow the Roman government and they were going to get to be like the vice presidents, you know, and all the secretaries and be all the, the, the ministers. And... But that wasn't His plan. It was, their, it was the disciples' plan. What happened at the resurrection, at his ascension, is they realized their plans had to be God's plans. 
And they finally got to the point of saying, yeah, this is freedom. This is real joy. When it's no longer my plans and dreams that I ask God to bless, but that I surrender in true worship to God and say, what are your plans? What are your dreams? What are your purposes? See the difference a resurrection can make in their lives and in ours. The second thing that happens to them, not only their plans remade, but then they come alive in joy. I mean, surrendering to God and to His plans and purposes simply brings a joy that is eternal, that is unexpressible. They, they returned home full of joy, we're told. What a difference a resurrection made because the last time they went home, it was moping. I mean, they went from one depressing moment to indeed one shining moment. They return home in joy, but Jesus is still gone. I mean, the result is still the same. That Jesus is no longer with them bodily. They're going home to the same home. I and mean, Nothing else has changed in their lives. You know, they got the same amount of mules. They got the same wine skins and sizes and how empty or full they might be. They got the same purses and how empty and full they might be, whatever the crops might look like. All of that is the same, but they go home in joy because of the power of the resurrection that overwhelms them. And most of the folks, most of the folks that leave because of what they have aligned themselves with God's plans and dreams, because they are filled with joy in that moment, most of these folks die an untimely death in the next 10 years. But they are filled with joy because of the power of the resurrection. They indeed celebrate Jesus no matter what the circumstances now. In fact, their joy isn't even tied to their circumstances. It's tied to the reality of the risen Christ. I mean, they, they know what Paul is about to write just a few years later, that nothing, nothing separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not sin, not death. That's the difference that a resurrection can make. Now I wonder, I wonder for you, for us, what difference does a resurrection make in our lives? In, in your life? You know, where is it that something has died for you? Where is it that something has, has truly been broken for you? We're, we're in the, the days now of getting admission letters, acceptance letters, or not admission letters. Whether it's to college, graduate schools, medical schools, all those kind of things are happening right now and, and some plans can be crushed. On the power of the resurrection, they can be remade, filled with joy. We've been in a season for a while now where businesses are failing, where jobs are lost, and that, that's not our plan. Those are not our dreams, but that's what's happening. Where's the power of the resurrection? 
in the midst of that. Or maybe it's a friendship that's been lost. One that you thought was going to last forever but has ended in pain and betrayal or even, even death. That's why I so much appreciate, Jackie, you uh, participating and leading in uh, this service. Because uh, as, as you've already shared, the loss a little over two years ago of your husband, Alex, grief and loss and pain that's still real, but how you demonstrate the power of the resurrection to, to continue on in hope. And in ministry, and now looking this summer to return back to the, to the Congo to, to develop a medical clinic in Alex's name. That's, that's the power of the resurrection in the face of death and loss. And for that, I'm grateful for your witness. Where's, where's yours? What's the, what's the place where it is just is ripe for a resurrection? where the only thing that can happen is for, for Jesus to bring that resurrection in your life, for the living Christ to be made real in the joy that fills you, even in the face of disappointment, dismay, and death. For the truth of Jesus' day is still true today. I talked a lot in the first service to, to folks that had been members here for 15 years or more. Looking out over here, I can probably count, maybe I'll take my shoes off to have to count them. Because the church here, for those of you that don't know, has been through a rather tumultuous roller coaster over the last 15 years that included a church split, that, that caused a lot of division and pain and relationships were broken and a lot of dreams about what a church could be were dashed and broken and hopes falling apart. So it can be the case for a church. It can be the case for an individual wherever you are because the truth of the word then is the same truth of the word now. Jesus hadn't changed. No matter what has changed in our life or in your life, Jesus is still alive. No matter what has died, the power of the resurrection is real and true today. That has not changed and is still the same. So if we don't find ourselves in the place of joy, even in the midst of pain and loss and suffering, what are we basing our joy on? What a difference a resurrection can make in the life of Jesus' disciples 2,000 years ago and today. So every time that we gather for Remembrance Sunday, it's one where we, we acknowledge the pain and loss of the past and of those that we've lost in the last year, but now we look forward. We know where they are and we look forward to the power of the living Christ tomorrow and today. We look forward to that day when we'll see them all face to face. But until then, no matter what else changes, Jesus is alive and real, carrying out the good news in our midst. 
He is at work connecting us with one another. You know, I, I got to think that when the folks put together this service and called it Kaleidoscope, because you know, it's sort of changing all around, I mean, what more could we have than this service to have the super choir, to have uh, uh, someone from the Congo quoting Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley... <laughs> And we're, we're about to have one who's a, a fine ballerina dance before us. What a kaleidoscope of the ways that the power of the risen Christ is alive, even in those ways. Now what, what is broken, crushed, what hopes are lost? Meditate. Focus on the power of the risen Christ who is alive even in the face of death. For that power and joy are real and alive in us.